The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is HR Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and strategies to shake up the status quo in human resources and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the game changers, you are in the right place. Welcome to HR Trends. Guess what? The buzz today? Collaboration. Let me get started. Collaboration in the workplace isn't just marketing ease for some popular, what we call team-enabling tech and social tools, Uh uh-uh. Nor is it synonymous with, hey, remember when you used to go to camp, picking sides for summer camp teams, who goes on this team, who gets on this team, who gets picked first, who gets picked last. It's a lot more complicated than that. Let me tell you why. Done right and embedded effectively into work life. True collaboration can benefit your organization's learning, your organization's performance, and talent development. Those are all key. They're all important to your survival and your thriving as a company. Do you know how this all happens? And if you do, are you there yet? Let's take you on the journey of taking collaboration from just a fancy word for working together to a lot more. I've assembled a great panel of experts. They have great insights for you, so let's get started. First up, I'd like to introduce Sarah Miller Caldicott. She's the CEO of the Innovation Consultancy, The Power Patterns of Innovation. And here's the quote Sarah sent me. Many leaders believe collaboration and teamwork are the same thing but they're actually different and need to be nurtured in different ways. Without collaboration, innovation stalls is another power word for us. Sarah Caldicott, welcome to HR Trends. How are you today? I'm great, thanks. It's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you so much. Love the quote. That's a great way for us to get started. Are you seriously telling me collaboration and teamwork are not the same? Talk to me. Well, I've done a lot of research over the last decade on uh, Thomas Edison and his extraordinary innovation capacities. Uh, I'm a great grandniece of Thomas Edison and really work to translate Edison's views and his processes into the 21st century. A lot of times we think of teamwork as engaging people and their best thinking, but a lot of times teamwork really focuses on tasks, things that we can repeat over and over again, things that we can readily hand off to folks uh, in an incremental fashion. Uh, Collaboration is really about leveraging learning and discovery within a team setting. So that expands the frame of thinking. Uh, It shifts the context and the expansiveness with which people come to uh, an effort. Uh, Edison really found that he could accelerate his innovation effectiveness with collaboration. Uh, So today, when we're really tasked with uh, anticipating and creating what's next, uh, collaboration becomes a very important part of competitiveness and uh, workforce preparedness. Sarah, what is it going to take, just a quick question for you before we introduce our next panelist, 
Is leadership in big companies today, I call them the big behemoths, you know, the big major global corporations, is leadership prepared to understand this or are they just going to go with task-based teamwork working together? What's your point of view on that? Well, I think there's an incredible um, focus being placed on agility today and the mm-hmm. ability to move rapidly, to shift rapidly. Uh, we read a lot about disruptive thinking, disruptive innovation in the business press. So large organizations need to work hard to create teams that are not just task-focused. Um, one of the ways they can start is to look at team size. Um, Edison liked to use small teams, typically up to eight people. Uh, many times mm. in large organizations, we start with teams that are 15, 20, 25 people strong, and sometimes larger. Um, there's no question that large teams can be effective uh, as we get toward the back end of the innovation process, and you're going to be implementing uh, new capability. But at the front end, you want to be thinking about the small team as the unit of collaboration and innovation. And that's a, a great beginning point for large companies. Thank you, and a great beginning point for our discussion as well. Sarah Milder Caldicott, thank you so much. Let's welcome our second panelist. It's Kevin Bennett. He is chair of the Division of Engineering of the Mayo Clinic of Rochester. And Kevin sent me the following quote, just five little words. Let's see where we go with this. With collaboration, miracles do occur. Kevin Bennett, welcome. How are you today? Uh, Thank you, Bonnie. I'm very good. Thank you. Love the quote. Tell me, how does this relate, collaboration? Could you want to tie it into something that Sarah said, or you want to take it in a new direction? Well, it certainly is tied very much into what Sarah said. Um, but it really is derived from experience and, and a Sidney Harris cartoon. And as I look at collaboration, as we perform collaboration, this cartoon struck me one day as being absolutely perfect. And many of the audience may, may know the cartoon. And what it is, it's two prof- professorial types that are standing at a chalkboard. And on the left side and the right side of the board, it's covered with equations. And in the center, there's a rather blank area. And that area has been written, then a miracle occurs. And the following dialogue at the bottom of the, uh, of the cartoon says, one professor talking to the other says, I think you should be more explicit here in step two. And in my experience with, with collaboration, many times we're trying to develop something that's new, something that hasn't been done before, And we could start at that, if you will, left side of the chalkboard, start from the beginning and work and work and work, and then all of a sudden we come to an area that we're just not familiar with, we don't understand, and we we can get stuck. And so the idea that that we've been, been putting into practice is put together our collaborative teams, look through um, the tasks that we have at hand and find those problems the things that we don't understand, the things we need the miracle, and focus on that. And okay. that way, yeah, go ahead, keep going. That way, we we can we can focus our efforts. Once that solution is discovered, then we can go back, start at the beginning, because we know how to do that, and we know how to do the end part. Let's say take it to to the market, and now we solve the whole problem. So, if you will, that that's where the quote came from. Thank you. I love the cartoon. I wish we could do visuals here, but this, alas, this is just radio, just radio. So thank you for the explanation. I love that one. Thank you, Kevin. And let me bring on our third panelist today. Joining Sarah and Kevin is Mark Brandau. He's a vice president of HCM Solutions for SAP. And he sent me a very interesting quote from Mike Rowe. Those of you not familiar, Mike Rowe is an American media personality. He's an actor and comedian, but you may know him as the host of the Discovery Channel series, Dirty Job. 
jobs. And that leads me into the quote, dirt used to be a badge of honor. Dirt used to look like work, but we've scrubbed the dirt off the face of work. And consequently, we've created the suspicion of anything that's too dirty. Wow, that's provocative. Mark Brando, how are you? <laughs> Good. Thanks, Bonnie. Appreciate it. <laughs> Love this quote. Let's get dirty here. Let's get down and dirty. Talk to me. Why'd you pick the quote? And, and let's relate it to collaboration. I'll give you all the time you need. This should be good. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I, th- I think, um, thank you. I think that, uh, and it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. I think that, thank you. You know, I, um, I travel around quite a bit. I talk to a whole lot of customers, and, you know, we, we talk about collaboration. We all sort of intuitively know what collaboration sort of means, right? But I think we don't really understand in the case of HR, when we say collaboration, what we really want to do, what we really want out of it. And, you know, I kind of go back to Mike Rowe and his comment about, you know, it's the basics, right? It's, It's getting dirty and simple and getting things done at work. And that could mean anything. If you're a thought worker, that's fine. And a knowledge worker and that's what you do. But if you're a pipe fitter, if you're in oil and gas and working on a rig, you know, collaboration is a very different term and a very different thing potentially. And, you know, I think we have to be conscious and respectful of that. And then I think the, um, the other point to this is, you know, this notion as Mike kind of always does to keep it simple, right. And, and working Mm -hmm. with people and things and his approaches and a lot of the jobs he used to do when he had the show are a lot of simple things. And, you know, and there are a lot of fancy technologies, right? Like we have some fancy technologies and things mm-hmm. that help with collaboration. Um, but sometimes, you know, collaboration can be as simple as a old-fashioned phone call. Remember when we used to make something called a phone call to people instead mm-hmm. of email and text and yep. stuff? So, you know, it's, it's those concepts, right? It's, I think we need to be conscious of what we're talking about and, and how people are referring to collaboration versus what they're trying to get done and the notion of keeping it simple. Thank you very much. Love that. Uh, I'm wondering the suspicion of anything that's too dirty. Does that happen very often in the workplace today? Can you just give me a clue? What would be coming under suspicion of that condition? Mark? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I think, well, I think, you know, it's sort of interesting because the suspicion when we deal with collaboration, you know, tends to, at least for a while now, it's been revolving around a new set of technologies or, or what we would refer to as collaboration platforms, right? And not that they're too dirty necessarily, but they could get too dirty, right? There's all this fear about what people may post, how they might operate, literally, potentially being too dirty, right? And mm-hmm. there's fear about that. There's a lot of fear about that. That How, how are we really going to use a, a collaboration platform? Is it going to be safe? And is it going to be reasonable? And how's it going to really help us get work done? Um, mm-hmm. You know, so in that sense, yeah, absolutely. There's There's significant suspicion about some of the latest technologies in some cases. Thank you for the reality check. Guess what? We're going to do another type of reality check. I'm going to go around the panel, starting with Sarah, then Kevin and Mark, and ask you, what's in your cup today? What are you drinking, or what do you wish you were drinking? Tell me a wonderful story. Sarah? Well, today, I wish I was drinking a Thai iced tea. That Mm. is actually my favorite beverage, and um, there's a great Thai restaurant here in the community where I live uh, in the Chicago area that serves up the best Thai iced tea I've had anywhere, uh, anywhere in the world. It's the creamiest, it's the sweetest, and Mm. it just goes down so easily. I think I can 
you know, finish one in two minutes or less just because it's so refreshing and delicious. So wish I had one of those right now. Well, we do too. It sounds delicious. Tell me, how can an iced tea be creamy? That's what I'm curious about. Well, it's a, a sweetened type of iced tea that also has spices in it and ah. real cream. Um, so it's oh. if you like a, a, a chai latte, something like that, it's um, certainly one better than that, I would say. It's uh, just delicious and a wonderful native drink to Thailand. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Kevin Bennett, what drinkest thou or what do you wish was in the cup? Well, that's actually kind of a secret in that I've, I've <laughs> not been a coffee drinker. Okay. And so what really is in my cup, uh, which I really don't tell anybody about, is a caffeine-free Diet Coke. I just pretend it's got all the sugar and all the caffeine, and it just works perfectly. Kevin, your secret is safe with me. I won't tell a soul, okay? I just want you to trust me. Miracles do occur. We'll collaborate on that, okay? There's the quote inside out. Thank you. Mark Brandau didn't hear that at all. Mark, what's in your cup today? (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. Um, I didn't hear a thing, but a little story on the cup. Um, yeah. Actually, actually, it's what was in my cup yesterday that really surprised me. Um, I got back from our annual HR Customer Conference Success Connect, which was in Vegas, mm-hmm. and I ate some funky, something funky in Vegas, and the past couple of days, my stomach was off. My wife says, hey, let's go out and get you some air. We're going to take a little walk. And I'm like, you know, I'm dragging. I'm like, I really don't want to. And she says, come on, we'll walk around the corner. We have a little... Uh, pastry shop, and they have some teas and things. And she's like, come on, we're going to get a cup of tea. And I'm not like a poo-poo-y tea person, right? And <laughs> loose leaf, this and that and the other. And we gave this cup of tea, and it had the loose tea in it. And we got like this chocolate hazelnut tea. And I'm thinking, it's gonna be, it was so good. I, I, it blew my mind. I said, it was just like hot chocolate, but it was tea. And it, it was great. And I felt better in the whole thing. But uh, no one was more surprised than I I'm, I'm glad you felt better. That's funny because I was at a one of many street fairs I try to attend in the late summer, early fall in Manhattan. And uh, uh, one of the booths had a whole bunch of loose teas. And one of them said it was something like a chocolate something. And I sniffed it. I didn't buy it because I don't usually use loose tea. But now I know the next time I see it, I'm going to go get me some. Thank you very much. And, Mark, we're glad you're feeling better. Guess what, panel? You have all earned a break. It's quarter after right on the dot here. We're going to go out and take 90 seconds and come back fully refreshed and we're going to pretend that Sarah has her Thai tea. We're going to just pretend that, Sarah. We're going to collaborate on that. We're going to come back and Sarah's (laughs) going to kick us off in a 30-minute roundtable. Our topic today, collaboration. Not just a fancy word for working together. I think we already have the answer. The answer is it's a lot more than a fancy word. My experts today are Sarah Miller Caldicott of the Power Patterns of Innovation, Kevin Bennett at the Mayo Clinic of Rochester, and Mark Brandau at SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and I plan to be after the break. We're going to go out for 90 seconds. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. Michael out. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. With companies like yours competing aggressively for top talent today, HR tactics must be comprehensive and precise. Today's reality? Your organization is faced with the demands of a multi-generational and globalized workforce, diversity and inclusion policies, work-life integration challenges, and more. 
The bottom line, you need to attract and retain the best fit talent to support your strategies and goals, optimize your employee engagement, and become an industry-leading employer of choice. HR Trends with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying HR Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to HR Trends with Game Changers. Guess what? We're going to kick off our roundtable with Sarah Caldicott. And Sarah's going to talk to us about, hmm, I think I mentioned camp and picking for teams in my intro. Well, it looks like Sarah has something similar to that in her notes. She says, if we were given a choice to take 10 minutes to run 100 yards with another person, guess what? Most of us would rather hold hands all the way down the field rather than run a three-legged race. I remember those days. Sarah, let's talk about collaboration. Go ahead. Well, you know, the notion of a three-legged race is, is kind of an interesting metaphor for the difference between collaborating and just functioning as a team. Um, in my most recent book, Midnight Lunch, I talk about collaboration as a process of learning and discovery. So a lot of times when we are leaders of teams or when we're on a team, we want to pick the shortest, easiest way to solve something. And in this case, I was sort of thinking of a hypothetical problem. If you have two people and you give them the task of running down a football field a uh, 100 yards within 10 minutes uh, and have them solve it any way they want, chances are they will, you know, hold hands, run that 100 yards and complete the assignment probably in much less time, probably in like two minutes or less. Mm-hmm. But... Um, If we were to think about taking a harder path, a tougher path, and running that same hundred yards by, you know, lashing your legs together at the ankles and the knees, and then kind Mm -hmm. of, you know, rumbling your way down that 100 yards, the, the time trajectory, we, time trajectory would be a lot different. And chances are you would also learn a whole lot in the process. Um, if you might be the short one and your partner is the taller one, you're going to have mm-hmm. to learn things about how to move together with different stride lengths. Uh, chances are you'll fall down a couple times and have to do a lot of uh, communication back and forth, probably some experimentation involved, and uh, expanding the context of, of what you think is going to work to get yourself in motion in a more fluid way. So the three-legged race is more akin to collaboration. It's more akin to a process where you're going to learn and experiment and endeavor, but you can actually get the job done and probably offer deeper insights than the folks who might have chosen to take the path of of plain task orientation or, or teamwork. So in the some of the benefits of collaboration from this example might be the ability to train others to run a three-legged race. 
uh, the ability to communicate uh, new insights about your experience, uh, the opportunity to offer uh, some frame of thinking that might be different than what you had anticipated at the outset, some new learning. So this is a lot of what collaboration entails. It's a, it's a tougher journey. It's a journey mm-hmm. of discovery and learning. But it is something that offers deeper rewards and uh, more agile outcomes, robust outcomes at the end of the journey. So even though if you had four people and, and two chose the path of running down the field just holding hands and two chose the path of running the three-legged race, you would see different learning um, across those two uh, bodies of folks. So this is really where I think we can draw some parallels to how do we want to innovate in an organization? How do we want to prepare our workforce to think more robustly, to think in new ways, um, the collaborative path offers uh, many benefits uh, rather than simply always taking the, the task-focused path, the path that might drive incremental learning, but maybe not breakthrough learning. Thank you, Sarah. Great images there of the three-legged race. I remember them well. I'm five foot one. I was probably five foot one and a half when I was in camp. (laughs) I'm not admitting to anything more than that age-wise. And uh, I I remember it was a difficult, it was challenging because you had to really think like one person who happened to have a couple of extra legs. You had to measure, you had to plan to fall down. You're absolutely right. There were pitfalls inherent in that opportunity. Sarah, I'm willing to bet nobody who ran camps back in the day knew that they were giving an opportunity for people to learn something we'd be talking about today in 2014 about the meaning of true collaboration and making it really worthwhile. Do you agree? I agree. I absolutely was, agree. I, uh, it, I think the three-legged race is, is something that's very valuable for executives to experience, and um, it's something that I actually use in some of my work just as a, an illustration of some of the differences between that task focus and uh, that, that uh, team learning or discovery learning process. I love it. Thank you. Kevin Bennett, like to hear what you have to say. Have you ever been in any three-legged races, and how often did you fall down? Well, I, we, I won't, sure, we won't I tell anybody. Have. I certainly haven't since I'm six three. I think we would fall down a lot if we were if we were passed <laughs> we together. On that. Yeah, so I, I really love Sarah's analogy, um, but but I took it slightly different than than where Sarah went. But but mm-hmm. uh, her comments are are right on the money. But we are involved in a lot of international collaborations, and so I saw the three legged race versus holding hands was one in terms of uh, how people were were tightly intertwined. And as I look at, uh, at innovation across cultures and across different technologies, I saw that the more looser connection sometimes works better in that if we're in different time zones, instead of having to be at the same time, same mm. place, you know, on, on the, the video or, or in person, um, mm-hmm. we could use many of the tools that are available now to, to work asynchronously and work you know, if you will, 24 hours a day since we all have different, different time schedules. But as I then, as Sarah was talking, I was then looking at some of the issues, uh, the, the, the important things about collaborations, is that, that as we're looking to bring a connection to people, we're looking for similar working styles, similar pers- uh, purposes, similar energy, and certainly the three-legged race analogy really puts that together because if you're picking your team, and you can pick the similarities to, to, to uh, make them additive, 
But at the same time, you need those differences to bring the new mm-hmm. ideas in, into to the, the problem, into the challenge. So it's a it's a great analogy, but I I see very very different um, uh, different selection criteria. But at the end of the day, it really is that convergence of goals. You're trying to get to that that finish line, and I see that possibly the combination of those two more loose collaborations with with potentially those people that are that are in very different industries. Um, and closer collaborations if, for instance, it's a production process, something that you're having to connect companies very closely together with. Thank you, Kevin. I have to mention to our audience and, and also to the panel that I didn't make, I didn't announce all of your titles in the intro. I apologize. You're also, in addition to chair of the Division of Engineering of the Mayo Clinic of Rochester, Minnesota, you are an assistant professor of neurosurgery and you're co-director of the Neural Engineering Laboratory. So briefly, Kevin, before we bring Mark in on this conversation, uh, in terms of the, the development work you've done on deep brain stimulation, does that, is there any tie-in to what we're talking about today, collaboration? in terms of getting people to grasp and understand the concept? Oh, ab- absolutely. And uh, my, you know, I have uh, a group of 67 engineers and technologists that, that develop new technology. But my personal interest and where I spend a lot of my time is in deep brain stimulation. And so we're working as a collaborative group of uh, neurosurgeons, of neurologists, of uh, neuroscientists, of engineers, of technicians, of of uh, surgical personnel, psychiatrists, psychologists, we're putting actually a very large team together um, looking at understanding what happens during deep brain stimulation, how we can look at the functioning of the brain, the neurotransmitter release, and bring that back into a closed-circuit device to help people with, you know, sort of the, the, the problems that, that deep brain stimulation is currently used for, like tremor, but really extended mm-hmm. to psychiatric problems, such as obsessive-compulsive, depression, things of that nature. So it is Thank very you. much a collaboration. Good. Thank you so much for expanding that. Mark Brando, let's talk about three-legged races. Any experience there? Did you win, lose, uh, draw, fall down? What's your, what's your background on that? I, well, I, I'm happy to go there, but I just want to make sure I got this right. Do we have really a, you know, a neuroscientist as well as a distant relative of Edison? I mean, no pressure on me, we right? We do. <laughs> None at all. <laughs> That's crazy. Wow. Mark Brandau, you stand on your own merit. We're delighted to have you. You are equal in this sandbox. Don't even think about it. So what do you think? What's your, what's your experience with three-legged races? Which way would you go? With Kevin's interpretation, with Sarah somewhere in the middle, a hybrid? Talk to me. Yeah, you know, when, you know I, I guess I have to admit, when I heard that, it made me think of, um, uh, you know, alignment. I think just as Kevin was sort of talking about in the end goal, and, you know, when you're doing a three-legged thing, staying aligned and getting to the end is extremely difficult. Difficult. Nobody wants to do that. Why? Because you're never going to get there. You are never, ever going to get there, right? It's, impo- it's really hard. So, you know, th- that kind of just brought me back sort of front and center to this notion of, um, you know, w- within the workplace, when I-, I really think the word collaboration is a code word, you know, and... Mm-hmm. I think that when somebody brings it up, I think that's code, and we need to say, what are are we really trying to accomplish here? You know, is, is, it, is it a matter of trying to do more? Is it a matter of trying to work better together, like better alignment, the three-legged race thing? Are we mm-hmm. trying to centralize 
projects in some way? Or are we really trying to learn better and more and, and do more with our learning capabilities and um, around collaboration, which is we've, we've seen have, where a lot of customers have success in combining collaboration technologies and, and capabilities with learning, right? So I, I think it, my, the first thing that hit me about the three-legged race is it, it feels like in that analogy very much around alignment and getting goal alignment, uh, which it can be, but, you know, then there's these other definitions where we've seen customers have success as well. Okay. Sarah, you want to chime in? Anything you heard from either of these two gentlemen you'd like to uh, add to or any questions you want to ask before we move in a slightly different direction? Go ahead. Uh, sure. Just a couple thoughts. Um, mm -hmm. Kevin talked about the notion of asynchronous teams, um, you know, teams that may not be together. They're not, they're not physically together. They're mm -hmm. in different time zones. Um, this is something that many organizations are, are grappling with today. And so, you know, creating that sense of connection uh, through a collaborative effort uh, when you're working uh, internationally is probably even more important than it is, you know, when folks are around you, you, you see them every day or you see them more frequently. So ha paying specific attention to what are some of the connective components across the group at the very front end is crucial. Um, Kevin was talking about, you know, selecting the team, um, you know, bringing in like-minded people. Uh, I think that's a big part of how you can uh, make asynchronous teams successful is that there is a sense of common purpose. Uh, there's a, a shared vision for what you want to accomplish. Um, that's very important to sort of lay out at the, at the front end. Um, I really like what Mark was saying about alignment as well. Um, you know, having that end goal in mind uh, is very important. I think one of the, the biggest challenges we face as, as managers and leaders is when the goal changes. Sometimes mm -hmm. you're, you're midway through a project and a, a new directive will come down, and, and your goal as a team shifts. Uh, sometimes that's for competitive reasons. Sometimes it's for budgetary reasons. It, you know, many things can actually weigh in the balance there, but that tests the collaboration uh, when your goal changes. So it really then is incumbent upon leadership to, you know, try to keep the team together in, in some capacity, um, you know, if that, if that makes sense. Um, sometimes mm -hmm. that's, that's how we need to press forward as leaders um, in a new environment where something has, has shifted. So there are elements of, uh, of alignment that need to exist within the team beyond just the goal. And, and some of that is perhaps work style. Some of that may be how the, the team uh, defines progress. Uh, sometimes there need to be you know, multiple definitions, uh, qualitative and quantitative around that, um, and even a sense of agility. Uh, how is the collaboration able to, to bear up when, when the goals change? So um, I really do think alignment is important, uh, and having that end goal in mind, it, I just see in many of my um, uh, work opportunities that, that sometimes the goal changes, and so that's when you really have to double down and, and focus on other collaborative components. Thank you, Sarah. Kevin, any thoughts on uh, the goal changing before we move to one of your talking points? I'm going to segue in just a minute, but Kevin, anything you want to add there? Um, certainly. I mean, the, the goal changing is, is something that uh, not only does it come from a managerial perspective, but, but also from either a technical perspective, market perspective, et cetera, is that, that 
as you're putting or as your, your team is functioning, things do change. And, and if the, the team is not able to, to roll with these changes, um, the, the end result, of course, is, is uh, going to be failure for the team. So um, putting together, selecting the individuals that are going to be in this collaboration, um, understanding their flexibility would be, would be very important. Mark Brando, any closing thoughts on that one before I open another thread? Go ahead. No, I think that, you know, just obviously talk from a vendor view, obviously coming from SAP and our solutions, I think that what you hear folks saying is any sort of solution or technology that is going to help, you know, foster some collaboration has got to be adaptable and flexible based on business conditions. And I, th- I do think that's true. As cynical as I like to be sometimes, I think that's an <laughs> extremely valuable point, actually. I don't think you're cynical at all, but we'll keep that between us, just like we'll keep Kevin's secret. (laughs) Kevin Bennett, I want to talk about something you mentioned. I think we have a great segue here uh, from your notes. You say collaboration can be learned and, in fact, is being taught in some medical schools. But here's what I really want to hone in on, Kevin. And then, of course, we'll have Mark and Sarah chime in. You say people can choose to be collaborative or not, although some personalities are better suited for collaborative relationships. So, Kevin, we have the lineup of kids at camp or in school or or on a work team, and we take the tallest and the shortest, say, great opportunity for learning and alignment. We're putting the two of you together in that virtual three-legged race. Which personality would be suited? Which one is not? Is it the responsibility of the leadership to say, this just isn't going to work, but we'll make them, we'll test them on this? How does that work? Talk to me, Kevin. <laughs> very, very, very interesting. And, and very interesting analogy, because if we're out there and we're at that three-legged race, um, if you've, you've ever been there, which a lot of us have, is that if you get someone who isn't interested in making the process work, you fall down like every other step. So mm-hmm. I think the, the analogy that Sarah provided is, is absolutely perfect. So when, when we're looking at collaborations, <clears throat> we're, we're looking at a whole variety of things, including you know, the capabilities of the in- individuals that we're going to put on the team. Uh, we look at what their experience has been and how creative uh, they have been. And I think that's, that's a separate topic, the creativity aspect of an individual and the collaborative aspect of, of an individual. And, and sometimes they're, they're very different, and sometimes they, people don't have both, uh, both types of personality. But as I look at the, the collaboration, I had mentioned the similar working style and the similar purpose, um, what it really is describing to me is how important is the end people that are involved. And um, as we put these teams together, we, we provide the, the basic goal, the basic problem, but it's really up to the team to figure out the rest of it. And there, there's a whole body of literature that talks about how teams come together, um, how they, they, they storm, how they argue, how they come up with with normative-type behaviors. And, and that um, literature that is in, in, uh, in, in book form or, or on the Internet is, is very valuable. But I think it's, there's a, another aspect of it, which is the, the creation of the convergence of goals to make sure that each of the groups that are coming together understand really what the total goal is for the group and what the expectation is um, by their management. That, I think, will modify the behavior that allows people to actually be available. They'll return the calls. They'll, they'll return the emails. Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll be at the meetings. Um, you know, that, that's important. 
and also the ability of the individuals that are part of this team, this collaboration, uh, to create that internal respect among each individual that people do have the ability to contribute and that their comments, that their um, working styles are respected and and brought together to make a, um, a valuable contribution. Kevin, when somebody is being interviewed, is there any methodology, and, and Mark probably wants to chime in on this, any methodology for ascertaining at that first interview or the second interview whether they have that collaborative collaboration prone, I shall say, or, or collaboration gene that they are going to be the one to return calls and they are going to want to work with people and they are going to be interested in forging alignments. Is there any way to tell that from the minute they walk in the door? How do you test for that? How do you, how do you assess for that? Yes. I don't think it's quite possible to tell from the minute or the instant that they walk through the door, but the techniques that I use is to describe the types of work uh, that we're doing, the types mm-hmm. of problems we address. Um, go through a number of projects to uh, to describe how we did it and describe how we have a, a set of tools that, that we ask people to use for collaboration. But my, my point that, that I do make with, uh, with these individuals is that, yes, we do have our, if you will, our techniques, our rules, but that doesn't mean that it has to be followed all the time or has to be followed Um, without regard to what the problem is. But what the team member needs to do is that we ask them to explain why they did something differently because that's Mm -hmm. a learning opportunity for every other uh, team that that we have and also members of of the team that they're they're working on. Really good point. So during the the conversation um, about existing teams and what the outcomes have been, both the positives, the negatives, the failures, and the successes, it's really to see... How, how well is the person attuned to the conversation and are they actually being a part of it? Are they collaborating with me as the, the interviewer or the, or the conversation leader about how we're working? Does it Thank resonate you. with them? Thank you, Kevin. Mark Brandau, thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's a couple, actually. Interesting mm-hmm. setup. I mean, um, the, the first is, uh, maybe to the prior point, the notion of, you know, when... There's, there's collaboration needed uh, or a project or some type of work to be done. It requires collaboration. I think, I think Kevin, you made a point that oftentimes we don't really take a view of the people and how well they are able to collaborate as part of a project. We just, we don't do it. We don't take it from that point of view. So on the other side of the coin is how do we get a better view in terms of people's ability to collaborate. And that goes to the question actually on, you know, about recruiting and bringing people in. Mm-hmm. I think it's important. And there are, you know, we have, um, uh, we ourselves, SAP success factors has uh, a lot of focus on this. And we look at it from a content point of view, uh, in our solution. And the reason I bring this up is because, you know, we look at and uh, both skills and behavioral competencies. So, you know, 13,000 practical hard skills, but more importantly around collaboration is this notion of competencies, right? One of the behavioral competency areas would be on collaboration and interpersonal communication, right? And that's something that can be scored and measured once somebody's on board. And what that sets up is if there's an open rec, right, you can actually search and identify people that would be a good match 
for that if there's a lot of collaboration required in the position based on how they score in their, in their competency development. So that's something we can do internally, and that really sets up some nice mirroring for external candidate selection as well because you can hold that internal candidate, candidate up also as an example for other positions. So I, I think it's interesting because once somebody's inside, you can actually score and measure um, not to a, you know, a, 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 a ridiculous degree, but to some de- decent degree about how, how well somebody's actually able to collaborate to get something done. And I think that's actually an important point. And a lot of companies actually don't do that. Thank you. Sarah, you want to chime in on this one? Yeah, you know, I think it's a very interesting uh, conversation point to think about choosing to collaborate. Um, sometimes mm-hmm. individuals are assigned to a collaboration team, if you will. Um, we're going to put, you know, you together with you, 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 and you, and you come up with whatever seven people. Um, and those folks may not have any common background. They may not have worked together previously. Um, and it's, it really does sometimes boil down to choosing to be a part of that, uh, of that process, choosing to be a part of the collaboration, even if there might be some bits of it that, that you would wish to change um, as a participant, etc. But I think as leaders, when we look at this type of thing, we, we want to think about, is this person willing to take a different risk? Collaboration is a different process than just task completion. And so mm-hmm. is, there, is there something about their makeup? Is there something about their background? And, and this speaks somewhat to, to Mark's points that would um, suggest that they could take on a new skill set, they could build a new competency. Um, this is something that Edison actually promoted in his workforce. Uh, experimentation was something that everyone had to learn. Everyone had to learn how to set up uh, an experiment, uh, develop a hypothesis, test it, uh, respond, you know, whether the hypothesis worked or not, etc. So there was a risking that took place, um, starting at the level of the individual, but then moving up to the level of the team. So choosing to collaborate is often about choosing to take a different kind of risk than you have before and being willing to take on new skill sets. I would just add as well that um, a lot of times when we're working with experts, as, as Kevin often does, um, engineers who have very deep capability in, in different areas, uh, one of the tough parts of collaboration is to subsume your idea to someone else's idea and mm-hmm. to think that, that maybe your idea isn't going to win. Um, in a collaboration, it's often very valuable to create um, sort of a neutral baseline so that people can feel that they're all on the same uh, playing field as they start. And it isn't so much about whose idea wins as opposed to you know, how do we create um, and choose to collaborate so that different perspectives are being heard. So it's less about winning than it is about sharing perspectives and kind of creating a new context around those. Thank you, Sarah. Great point. And you know what? We're going to go to break in about five minutes, but I want to tap into one of Mark Brandau's discussion statements, I think is is key to this conversation. Uh, Mark, let's kick this one off with you, and then we'll briefly have Kevin and Sarah chime in. You told me before the show in your notes, you said simply providing a technology collaboration solution is not enough, and you added it is doomed to fail. So let's tie that into what we've learned so far on the show. Mark? Sure. I think um, 
you know, why, well, first off, why do I say doomed to fail, and what's that, what's the point of that? There's there's a mm-hmm. lot of um, clearly there's a lot of buzz in, in HR and around the workforce to do more with um, collaboration, and there are new solutions that are available to help with that. I mean, let's be very clear. It's it's very similar to the concept of Facebook, but for the enterprise inside of a business, right? Facebook is obviously a wild success and collaboration in a lot of regards. But when you bring it into the business, that concept, um, something happens. And, and in fact, you know, some, some research has shown that, uh, you know, that broadly shown actually that around 77% of employees will never use an enterprise social network if that's all it's for. And only about 3% mm. will use it once a day. So the notion of, look, we're going to bring in this, you know, collaboration platform and we're going to stand it up and it's going to be like Facebook and it's going to be great. It never works. Mm-hmm. So I think that saying that, that we have to recognize there has to be a different approach to incorporating some of the technology solutions for collaboration into the workforce because standalone, it just never works. Okay. Is it up to the leadership to say it in a different way? We're going to use this, kids. Everybody's going to play with this. Or is it just human nature that you give them the tool and they're going to say, ah, not me. Doesn't, doesn't, well, doesn't suit me. Doesn't turn me on. How, how do we get past that? Yeah. You know, what we've seen repeatedly with customers is there is an answer to this. And it's not, it's not one of those, it depends. <laughs> you know, it actually, there is an answer. And the answer we've seen is, it has to be um, con- the, the, the collaboration technology, if you will, has to be consumed by whatever the real capabilities are for the work at hand and the, and the context is. So, for example, right? For example, if the real goal is to ensure more compliance with learning, or to expand learning within a business so the, the business can somehow become more innovative and we can foment new ideas and things like that, the social capabilities have to be a part of what we're doing in learning. They can't be something separate. The same thing in any other area. If it's, if it's really goal alignment we're talking about, then the social has to be you know a part of the goal alignment project. It can't be something different. It has to live and breathe where the work is that we're trying to get done. So I think it's, when I say consumed, I think it has to be really natural as part of what we're trying to accomplish, not something that's separate or standalone or out of one. Thank you. Kevin Bennett, thoughts on this one? Guess what? You know what? We have 10 minutes till we end the show. I don't think we're going to take a break. I really don't want to spoil the conversation. And we're just going to slide in about two minutes or three. We'll slide into the predictions round. So I'm sorry about that, but you're you're all too good. I don't want to interrupt. So there. Kevin Bennett, thoughts on what Mark Brandau just shared with us? Yeah, very, very interesting and very, very insightful. And that, you know, what what we're talking about here is an infrastructure, a tool, something that mm-hmm. you, know, you would purchase and put in place. And all these tools and infrastructures you know, exist and, and do well because there needs to be a reason. There needs to be some reason that someone would open up that app and, and then connect with, with someone. And I, I think this goes back uh, to, to the comment that, that Sarah was, uh, had, had made about the idea and a win. Okay, and that, mm-hmm. that that's kind of an individual um, project, individual task, as opposed to the collaboration task. So if you've got an infrastructure 
and we've got people that are trying to win with their idea. That's not collaborative. It's not something that you would actually use this infrastructure to, 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 to do. But if you've got that overarching goal, some reason to, to communicate, to use that infrastructure, something that makes, it, makes that collaboration easier, now all of a sudden I think it's going to be a success. And an overarching goal can be a whole variety of, of things. It can be, you know, we, we use a quote from one of the, the founders of our organization, one of the Mayo Brothers, where the needs of the patient come first. And so what that's able to do is back people down from, oh, this is my idea, and really point to, we want to be effective, we want to be, uh, create this solution because of our patients in that, in that particular case. So I think that... Um, if the infrastructure change or introduction is brought in solving a problem or solving a need or, or giving a tool that, that addresses issues that, that the users have, it would be wildly successful. Okay, well, I think wildly successful is what we're all looking for. And guess what? I'm going to slide us into the predictions round. And Sarah Caldicott, you can blend in your comments on what Mark and Kevin just discussed with your predictions. But we are eight minutes till closing. So I guess, Sarah, why don't I give you a full two minutes to wrap up? Any other thoughts? And, uh, Sarah, I can't thank you enough for the three-legged race as our our jumping off point because we've certainly been jumping around <laughs> with that one during the whole show. And it was it was beautiful, actually. So it's very, very powerful metaphor. We appreciate that. Sarah, I'm going to ask you the question if we met again in the year 2020 or any year that you can see clearly, hopefully with blue skies in the crystal ball you are holding in your hands. I know you have one in preparation for this segment. What would you be saying would be different about collaboration in the workplace in that year or any year you want? Two minutes, go. Well, I think one is certainly going to be the emergence of the Internet of Everything, where we're going to have all kinds of uh, additional processing capability, uh, connectivity, uh, ability to crunch data and look at data in in just a massive context. Um, by 2020, I think even the con- the concept of huge data will be much more uh, relevant. Like what's going on in a city, uh, what's going on in an entire airport. These are massive uh, collections of data points. So. With the presence uh, of the Internet of Everything as more a part of our everyday lives than it is now, I think we're going to see a premium put on pattern recognition. The ability to to see what patterns are occurring, to uh, find new patterns, uh, to identify value in patterns, I think it's going to be a very major area of our endeavor. Uh, a second thing I would anticipate is um, real focus on high school education to look much different than it does now. Uh, I think we're going to see uh, an emergence of more independent study activity, um, mm-hmm. connection of high schools and uh, corporate life, corporate training, um, preparedness of the workforce around collaboration and innovation. Uh, I think we're, we're going to see gaming come forward as part of that, and I mean that as serious games, games that, mm-hmm. that you know, create outcomes that are robust for the game players. Um, just some new learning tools, but uh, a real focus on high school education. 
The third thing I would say is we're going to see new learning uh, communities. I believe that uh, concepts like what we know today as innovation parks um, and, and, you know, Mayo Clinic has very various innovation centers that it, it uses, some internal and some external. Um, we certainly are familiar with the concept of incubators and, and concepts of that nature. But I think we're going to see sort of a reshaping of innovation communities, um, allowing people to connect to innovation resources, uh, no matter where they may be um, in their trajectory as, as workers, if they're in the workforce, if they're a student, if they're uh, kind of going back to learn something new, if they want to find a community of practice and engage collaboratively, I think we're going to see just some new community concepts um, emerging uh, around the notion of innovation. Thank you very much, Sarah Caldicott. Appreciate the, the depth of your predictions. Kevin Bennett, you're up. Two minutes, go. Yes, thank you. Um, I support everything that, uh, that Sarah was describing, but I'd like to expand on a couple of things, and that is the... Um, the expectation that there will be more effective distance collaboration. And that mm-hmm. as I look into the future, you know, certainly innovation is, is absolutely critical. We're, we're not going to have successes without that. But I think we're going to see a much greater profusion of transcultural products. And the products that are created are going to be offered and accepted around the world. And the only way to do that is, of course, to bring in people with from those cultures so that they can can provide the, the benefits and the, the tweaks, the needs to solve um, their, their particularly um, interesting in issues. Now, we've got the electronic tools for connection, email, messaging, video chat, working on documents simultaneously, you know, all, all those things. And, and different uh, products will do those better or not as well. But I think the change that's, that's going to make this happen is really the shift in expectations of the workforce. I think right now most of the uh, more senior people are very much want to have that in-person connection. Um, I know I, I enjoy that. I like that. Um, but when you're working across time zones, that, that doesn't work. So therefore, the electronic steps in. But as I see the, the more recent uh, hires, um, I see a much greater satisfaction in the electronic com- contact, uh, sometimes even in preference to voice connections or, or in person. And so I see that collaboration and maintaining those personal relationships will be much easier in the future as people are much more used to the electronic, uh, the electronic meetings. Thank you. Great insights. Love the prediction. Mark Brando, I can give you exactly 90 seconds. Predict for me. Go. All right. So I think every, everything everybody else said is, is spot on. I think at the end of the day, for organizations, the workforce is and will be, continue to be really the only sustainable competitive advantage for organizations. And to sustain that competitive advantage and continue to be innovative, learning has to transform within a business. And that means every employee has to become both a student and a teacher. And I think technology-wise and capabilities and, and solutions that we bring forward are going to help do that, right? And that's obviously going to mean things like um, recommendations and guidance that are personalized for every employee, whether they're full-time or, as we've seen with the growth of the contingent workforce, which is just you know exploding across the planet, that's going to be very, very important because with personalized recommendations and guidance, 
people can be told who they should be collaborating with based on similar projects, similar skills, mm-hmm. competencies, etc., or suggested who they might want to talk with about this project, et cetera. So it makes it incredibly relevant and personal and easy for every employee. I think, I think that plays a lot into what uh, uh, the other folks said earlier, so I'll leave it at that. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. I need just a couple seconds to close the show here. Well, we're HR Trends with Game Changers Monday. You know that. But let me give you the lineup tomorrow, Tuesday, 9 a.m. Pacific, Financial Excellence with Game Changers Season 3. Wednesday is a doubleheader, Coffee Break with Game Changers at 8 a.m. Pacific. And I'm on the air in the afternoon with the introduction of a brand new series called, wait for it, The Internet of Things with Game Changers, 3 p.m. Eastern, so that's noon Pacific. And then Thursday morning, we're on with Innovating Innovation with Game Changers. Another brand new series. That's at ooh, early, 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. for me here in New York. Sarah Caldicott, The Power Patterns of Innovation. Thank you. Kevin Bennett, Mayo Clinic. Thank you. Mark Brando, SAP. Thank you. Wonderful panel. Great articulation. Wonderful insights. Delighted to have you all on the show. Shout outs of gratitude. Jennifer McAdams, thanks for sponsoring the series. Stephen Thorne, you've been tweeting away. Sylvia Lennon, talk to you soon. Malcolm Kimberlin, thanks for support. Michael and the Business Channel team. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and here's my call to action. At your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Talk to you tomorrow on Financial Excellence with Game Changers. Bye bye. Thanks again for tuning in to HR Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.